friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Turn your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And uh, if you're, if you're kind of new to this series of, of what we're covering here, I, I don't think in the five years I've, I've pastored here, I've, I've preached on eschatology or Bible prophecy on a Sunday morning. Uh, so there is going to be some deep moments. I would encourage you. I would implore you. I enjoy questions. Uh, in your bulletin is my email. Reach out to me. There might be something that you would like to share with me as well. Um, that's, that's great. That's okay too. Uh, either way, I want to be a student of the word with you. And so my, my uh, email address is in the bulletin. Here it is. It's my name, glennhammonds at gmail.com. Okay. So reach out to me with whatever questions you may have, because some of this stuff is what we call apocalyptic literature. That particular form of genre in the Bible uh, has a lot of symbolism. We don't interpret those symbols by ourselves or maybe from the Western bias or lens we have today. We must interpret those symbols by other biblical references to those symbols. So most of what you see in the book of Revelation has to be interpreted by the Bible. Scripture interpreting Scripture. And so most of those symbols are interpreted by Daniel. And so when Daniel says what a beast is, we go to the book of Revelation and we see what a beast is. When Daniel talks about a beast came out of the sea, well, what is the sea? Do we take that symbol literally? No. We say, what did Daniel, in the book of Daniel, say the sea was? And there's horns, and there's crowns, and there's multiple heads. You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! And af after you start to take in all this stuff, you can be a little bit overwhelmed. But I want to tell you that the reason, there's two reasons why God used, through His Holy Spirit in Daniel, and also through John in the book of Revelation, uh, apocalyptic literature. Because God, watch this, God is not interested in everyone knowing the truth. Now, you're going you're gonna to push back a little bit. I don't mean souls. By everyone, I mean the enemy. This is why Jesus spoke and taught in parables. He says, I speak plainly to you, my disciples. Come on. You, you, don't, you don't recall that in the New Testament? Right? What is God looking to do? He wants... His people that follow Him, that are His disciples, to dig into the Word and go after Him. If you are not truly after God, and you're not truly after His Spirit, He doesn't want you to know the game plan. Now, that would get me in trouble, but that's the truth. This is why He told people, even that He healed, He said, don't go around telling everybody what just happened. i got to go to the cross yet. i got to get some business done. And so some of these things, you have to dig deeper in the Bible so that you can develop a relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, God reveals to you then his whole plan. Doesn't God do that with everything else? I mean, how many of you know we seek his hand all the time and not his face? And God says, I want you to seek my face and I want you to seek me. So many of these things are a little bit deeper because he wants you to go to a place with him so that you understand it. I'm going to dive right in and give you some explanations, but today... This morning is mainly about talking about the worship that is going to happen soon around the world. There'll be a one world worship system. There'll be a one world money system. And there'll be one world control uh, as well through a 
mark. Okay? Here we go. Revelation 13, 11. Then I saw the second beast coming out of the earth. It had two arms, two horns rather, like a what? Like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. Okay, so in, in, in Hebrew culture, dragons and serpents are the same thing. We see dragons in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see serpents. Okay? Dragon is akin to the Greek culture, Hellenistic culture of the time. But the word dragon is synonymous with serpent. You'll see them connected together. This beast that comes along is the second beast. And we see the second beast comes up out of the earth. This is opposed to the first beast that John sees that comes up out of the sea. Let me break that down for you, okay? In the book of Daniel, Daniel's seen beasts that came out of the sea too. These beasts that came out of the sea had horns, all right? Horns in the Bible, in the Old Testament and New, stand for power or authority. When you see horns, think power and authority, okay? Uh, many of you have raised... Uh, <laughs> Many of you have raised cattle and you've raised different farm animals. And you know as soon as some of those horns come in, those, those dudes go around and start testing them, don't they? Come on. And if, you're, if you know anything about bucks, man, bucks, come on. When you, when you, bucks like to rub their, their antlers over everything, right? So they come in. It's a sign of a power or of authority. Why out of the sea? Sea in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation is seas of people. To the Hebrew culture, the sea was a place of chaos. They were not a seafaring people. So sea, the sea was a place of tumultuous chaos. Where will that first beast come up out of? Out of a sea of people that are in chaos. They are in chaos. This first beast that comes out has ten heads, and it's got multiple horns, right? He wears crowns. The Greek word here, though, is not uh, in the word we'd use actually for crowns. It's actually the word diadems. These are crowns that an emperor would wear, having authority over many nations. And so the several heads and the horns represent nations and powers and authority that is more than one nation. This is the Antichrist. He is coming up out of the people, and it is a chaotic culture at that time. The second beast that John is talking about, he comes out a little bit different. He comes up out of what the Bible calls the earth. A better translation in the Greek here is the land. I believe personally it will be Israel. This will be a Jewish man, a very powerful, influential Jewish man. Most of the sermons that talk about the end times preach mostly about the Antichrist, and they leave the false prophet out. Let me tell you something. The false prophet is just as dangerous, and that's not to give the enemy glory, but it's just as dangerous, if not even more, because through the false prophet, we get the multitudes of people that come under the beast and worship the Antichrist or the image of the Antichrist. Are you with me? Pastor Glenn, why beast? Let me tell you why. On the sixth day, man was created. So were beasts. You didn't see that in your Bible. You jumped right to Adam and Eve being created on the sixth day. So was the serpent. Come on, church. You were created last in the image of God. Mankind was created, humankind was created in the image of God. Beasts do not have the image of God. They represent something else. Something cursed, something wild, something uncontrollable. Something that should have come, watch this, God told Adam and Eve 
you're to have dominion. Dominion means that you are to manage, that you are to steward authority here on earth, my authority that comes from heaven. And all the beasts of the field, come on church, all the beasts of the field, everything that creeps, all those creepeth things that the Bible talks about, all the creeps are supposed to be under you. Come on. But in the tribulation period that's soon to come, after the rapture, the beasts are going to be in control. And the beast is a different image. It's not God's image. It's the image of the enemy. Now, this second beast that comes out, he has two horns. Horns. He looks like a lamb. Who is the lamb of God in the New Testament? Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah calls him the lamb of God. John even repeats that when he, Jesus is baptized and says, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Okay, so he looks like Jesus, but is he Jesus? No, he speaks like a dragon, a dragon or a serpent. This serpent is the devil, the enemy. This is going to be a man who is going to produce in an anti way everything that the Holy Spirit is supposed to produce in us today. He is the anti Holy Spirit. In fact, this is an imitation of the Trinity. We see then that the anti-father would be the dragon or Satan himself. The anti-son or the anti-Christ would be the antichrist, the son. The Bible even says, and we'll read it soon, that he is wounded and it appears as if that wound takes his life. And then the false prophet comes and miraculously raises him back from the, come on, back from the dead. Well, who did that? Jesus, right? And who gave him the power to be raised from the dead? The Father through the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in... Are you alive this morning? So the enemy says, that's the way that, to do it, and I'll, I'll, I'll imitate it. I'll do it in a false way. I'll do it in a, in a way to bring mankind under my control. How many of you know that the devil has always used partial truths, even used parts of Scripture, to bring people under his control and under his dominion? It says in verse 12, it says, It, it exercised all authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and his, its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down uh, from heaven to earth in full view of people. Because of the signs it was given, the power to perform on behalf of the first beef, beast. It decided the inhabitants of the earth, <clears throat> and it ordered them to set up an image in honor of that beast, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refuse to worship that image to be killed. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about the abomination desolation that will be set up in Israel, in the temple. This image will walk and talk. It will have, seemingly, it will have an AI existence. It will be able to think on its own. It will be able to have its, its own thoughts, and it will be able to connect with everyone who has the mark of the beast in the world at one time. This image, people will fall down and worship. It won't be the image of God. It won't be God. 
it'd be the image of the Antichrist. And it'd be set up in the new temple. So come back next week. It's going to be, man, and buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be a ride next week, man. All right, so he gives life to it. He gives, he gives power to it. And it says that he causes all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. It, is, <clears throat> it also forced all people, great, small, rich, and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This cause for wisdom, let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of whom? It's the number of whom? Man. That number is 666. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I, God, I fall on the mercy, God, of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to articulate and communicate this morning what you have for your church. May no one here leave today afraid. May no one leave here today intimidated. May no one here leave today under bondage. May we all leave, leave here today trusting you, God, like no other time in our life. God, free power of your Holy Spirit to, God, combat evil in this world. As long as we have breath and as long as your church is here, God, may we witness, God, the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to the lost that are around us, God. Fill us with love, God. Fill us, God, with joy and peace as we proclaim the good news to those who need to hear it because time is running out. Give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus says that this system, these two systems are coming. And John is in agreement with that. He says to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, he says, uh, in, in response to the, what will be the sign of your coming, Lord, in the end of the age, and Jesus says this, he says, false Christs will come, Right? And false prophets will come. The Antichrist will set up a one-world government and a one-world control system. But the false prophet will set up a one-world financial system and a one-world faith. But that faith will not be true faith. It will be a religion that is not of God. And it will be a lie. You see, that beast comes out of the sea, the Antichrist, because it comes out of the people groups. But this other beast will come up out of the land. It will be somebody that for a season of time will be trusted. He will speak and act. He will act like a lamb, but he'll speak like a dragon. What does that mean? When Jesus Christ came to the earth and when he spoke, he didn't speak his words. He spoke the words of the Father. He did not speak of himself. Come on, church. He spoke whatever the Father told him to speak. He even told people time and time again, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I see or hear the Father saying. You see, the false prophet is totally different. He'll speak like a dragon. He'll speak of himself. How do you know the difference between true prophetic words today and false prophetic words today? One type of word comes from the person that exalts himself. Jesus did not exalt himself. Jesus exalted the Father. And how many of you know the true Holy Spirit exalts Jesus? And that's the order in which it goes. You see, the false spirit, the false prophet, lifts up himself. A true prophet of God only speaks of the Lord and only has the focus on the Lord. Hey, could you remember that, please? Yeah. I hope you will, because there's a lot of false prophets today. 
You turn on YouTube and you listen to some of them. Hello. You're, you're watching them on TV. Some of you are watching them on TV. And you know why? Because you got an itching ear. And they're going to tell you what you want to hear. And here's one thing you'll never hear from them. Repentance. You'll never hear anything about sin. You'll be told you're okay. That you can have your own truth. Hey, if everybody's got their own truth, how could that be true? Hello? That's true, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> so the false prophet he's gonna he's gonna bring about a one world religion and a one world currency and that's something i want us to to focus on especially this morning we see that the word mark here is used and this mark is is in that time in ancient near east culture in that time uh, cattle were marked slaves were marked property was marked but even in the bible it says that a true believer is marked and who you're marked by coincidentally is the holy spirit you're marked with the holy spirit you have the seal of the spirit on you if you're a believer as opposed to the false prophet who will attempt to mark the world with a sign of the beast right so ephesians 1 13 says that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Jesus, you were sealed and marked with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Hello. Hello. So you're, you're God's property. Hello. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to, you belong to Him. Americans don't know how to belong. <sighs> Come on. You know. We're okay with owning stuff. We just don't want anybody to own us. Hey, I want God to own me. But, but, but man own me? No. But a, a world system? No. I want to belong to him. I want to belong to God. Give me Jesus. I love that song. You can have this old world. Give me Jesus. So I want to show you and break down what that mark may currently be looking like. What are some of the precursors of that mark in the world today? The mark is going to, number one, serve as a global way to track and control every human being. You say, well, that's way, way off. That's not a big deal. Yeah, every one of you came in here with a cell phone today. You, you're, you're, not, you're not awake if you believe that's way off. Every one of you have made purchases online all week. Some of you, you don't even leave your house anymore. You, it just Amazon's whatever, you know. Yeah, really, and, and every time you do it, listen, I'm not telling you you can't buy or, or sell that way now, but let me tell you, every time you do it, they know something more about you. I would even gather to argue that there's more digital information about your digital ID than there is about you and your person where you sit right now. It's tracked, it's cataloged, it's out there. Your location, your purchases, many of the apps that you've downloaded are tracking every single thing you do. It's not far off, it's here today. In socialistic countries like China, it is really bad. Praise God we don't live there. But we pray for the Chinese church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And in fact, it's under persecution. But in China, they have a system, a reputation system, where if you do more of what the government wants you to do, you get rewarded. If you do opposite of what the government wants you to do, then you're punished. And they have now, in some of the major cities, millions of cameras to do facial identification where they can see who you are, where you are, what you're doing next. In just the last year, a report came out from uh, U.S. News and World Report that said that over 5 million Chinese people, 
just in this last year, were told they could no longer ride the train because they did not meet the social requirements. Are you hearing me this morning? How do they know that? How do they know that? Currently in Europe, and this has been going on for some time, but in Germany, 50,000 people just two years ago signed up for a program where they put a chip inside their right hand. It's between their thumb and their forefinger. This chip is the size of a grain of rice, but this chip carries all the information needed to go through life. Imagine waving your hand and getting into your house. Imagine waving your hand and opening and starting your car. Imagine waving your hand and you suddenly pay for your dinner at uh, Cheddar's. Imagine uh, going to the doctor, not having to tell your doctor a thing because the chip inside your hand is already carrying all your medical information. The doctor, all he has to do is read the RF signature from that chip and know exactly how you're doing. Know exactly with the biofeedback, exactly how your body's doing, how you're doing physically. It has tracked you and it has cataloged every part of you and who you are. You no longer need a wallet. You no longer need a purse. It's all in the chip. And 50,000 people got in line and said, I'll do that. I'll, I'll sign up for that. Folks, it isn't way off. It's right here and it's right now. And you're living in a world that seeks to control. It seeks to dominate. Soon you'll be hearing pulpits and preachers and churches be told that they are against the law for the things that they say. It'll be called more and more hate speech. And they'll be able, guess what? They'll be able to have the video to prove it. Because what are we all doing? We're all on the web trying to get everybody to hear the good news. Amen? They'll be able to do it. There's plenty of evidence. The world up and changed. And man, has it changed since I was a kiddo. I mean, wow, I can't even get a ho-ho or a Twinkie anymore for 15 cents. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. Back, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you say, Pastor, that ain't me. I'll never fall for anything like that. Really? You paid for that cell phone that tracks you. You paid for it. I mean, hey, I'm not against uh, communication, but uh, <laughs> let, let me just tell you this. I think it's a pretty sad thing that we spend more time texting each other than we do sitting down with each other face to face and seeing how we're doing. Come on. The false prophet will also use this mark to create an unholy union between the world of finance and the world of false faith. You see, culture today doesn't want you to know what worship is, but I need to define it for you biblically so that you understand. Because most people, when they hear worship, they think, there's no way I'm going to worship some image of some beast some something that's got some idea of what god could be i'm not going to fall and bow down to something like that now hold on you know in romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 we have a good biblical definition of worship where paul says i urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because it's only your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul is saying your worship is the way you live. It's you. It's what's on your mind all the time. I'll go a little farther, though. It's in what you spend money on. That's your worship. You say, well, no, I thought worship was coming to church once a month, you know, maybe giving a few dollars in the offering plate, and every once in a while, maybe once a year, coming to the altar and crying about the things I did. 
Worship is you right now. Can I just tell you? Everyone worships. Everyone worships. Hear me out here. Atheists worship. Deists worship. Agnostics worship. You will worship something or someone. You were created for worship. You can deny that, but the devil knows it. The devil knows it's true. You can say it isn't true, but you're living right now for someone or something. And it's your life. It's the purpose and the passion of your heart. It's where you've been directed. And if your constant thought is on the things of this world, on acquiring things and how you're doing in your social status, who's done you wrong and what you want to do at your job and how much money you want to make and where you want to build your empire and your kingdom, you are on the seat of worship. It's you. Now that's the truth. Now you can go find 50 other churches that will tell you that's not what worship is. But thank God we have a biblical definition. And the truth is, worship is the way you live. Lifestyle. That's the word today. Just say it. It's a worship style. It's an altar. And it's an idol. So now that we know what true worship is, and that it's you, I want to take you to a moment in the Old Testament, and if I run out of time, I'll close on time, I promise you, but I want to take you to an Old Testament person who you love and revere, somebody you think so highly of. In fact, he's often preached as the quintessential man of wisdom from the Old Testament. His name is Solomon, and Solomon had his own 666. You've not read your Bible enough if you haven't read this about Solomon. Before you go worshiping Solomon as this wonderful, stately, religious man, please know this, that the Bible says that he broke all three of the rules of kingship. You will find the rules of kingship in the Old Testament. You will find that there are three. The first one was the king was not to marry more than one wife. I think he broke that. You think? I, th- I think he might have, th- just a little, Right? 700 concubines, 300 wives. I I think he broke that rule, right? Here's the other thing. The king was not supposed to hoard unto himself many horses. I think he broke that. In fact, (laughs) all of the horses from Tyre, Lebanon, and Sidon were his. You say, well, big deal. The man liked horses. What's the big deal, pastor? Oh, (laughs) it's going to hurt in a minute. It's going to hurt in a minute. Well, here's the real humdinger, though. The king was not to hoard unto himself gold. And every year, you'll find it in 1 Kings chapter 10, every year the Bible says uh, that he hoarded unto himself a very specific number. And this is going to help us understand and unlock the wisdom of this number. You see, every year he would call out to the nations around him and say, your tribute for me is six, six, Six. You know, the Bible doesn't mess around. It's not playing games. It's not in the Word of God because God just, you know, is is just making this up as he goes along. Solomon, in the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 11, uh, in the same chapter where he is hoarding unto himself women, hoarding unto himself horses, hoarding unto himself gold, the Bible says that idolatry begins to fill the nation of Israel. One idol in particular is the god Moloch. Are you with me? I hope I'm not losing you. 
I love you. Don't, 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 don't tune out. Now, Malik was set up in the valley of Gehenna. Most of what Jesus preached about hell was in and around the valley of Gehenna. I've seen it in Israel recently. It's, it, it became a garbage dump later, but it was where they put dead bodies and burned them. And Jesus said, hell is going to be like that. It's going to smell like that. It's going to look like that. Okay? Gehenna was a place where Moloch was sent up. And guess how they worshipped Moloch there? They took their babies. See, somebody's mad now. But you know what? Instead of mad, you just need to repent. You're deceived. Don't be. Come to the truth. Come to the light. You see, they'd take their babies, their little babies, and they'd worship this Moloch. Where did this Moloch come from? It was one of the wives that Solomon... Come on, church. There is no proof in Scripture that Solomon... There's no proof in Scripture. And it may, be, it may be extra biblical, but there's nothing we can find in Scripture that Solomon ever repented from this. Can I just remind you that Jesus said of the last days, it is he that endures to the end will be saved. Solomon started out great, but he got himself wrapped up in horses. And oh, I don't know anything about that. I'm not an equestrian. I can't even spell it. You got six cars, though. You got five bikes. You're, you covered yourself in wealth. And you think that pastor is preaching against money. I'm not preaching against money. I'm preaching against loving it. I'm preaching against worshiping it. I'm not preaching against having things. I got a car. I don't want to walk to your house. I get it. But I'm preaching against falling in love and being passionate, more passionate about something I drive that's just a vehicle to get me somewhere than falling in love with Jesus who made sure that I'd be provided with something. Yeah, yeah. Well, pastor, I don't know anything about 700 wives, 300, con- 300 wives, 700 concubines. Yeah, but you're doing porn every day. Oh, pastor, come on. You had to say that. That is the modern Solomon And how many pulpits today lift up this idea of if you'll just give this much, if you'll just give this, by the way, if you just give to this ministry this week, we've got some John the Baptist shower curtains for you and some Ginsu knives. We're going to bless you. Every stupid sermon is about money. Because in that pastor's heart is a lust and a greed for the things and the materialistic things of this world and not the things of God. Somebody give God some praise. Come on. All right, now that I got that out of the way, I'll calm down a little bit here. Just a bit, just a bit. (laughs) Can I just tell you, we talk about signs of the times all the time, but we don't talk about this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of money. The only conversation you have with some people is about how much you make and what you have when you could be talking about Jesus and you could be talking about the truth and you could be loving on him and you could be talking about what God did for him and the richness of God's grace and the richness of God's kingdom. Jesus said to a church in the book of Revelation, he said, come to me and buy gold refined in the fire. He wasn't talking about of this earth. He's talking about a treasure stored up in heaven. That when you get to that Bema seat, 
All of your good works that are done for you and are done to glorify you are burned up, but what's left is gold and will stand for eternity. What am I talking about? Imagine eternity and knowing that there are souls that are there because you, you gave your life that they might hear the truth of God's word instead of bragging to people about how well you're doing at work. I told you I was going to calm down. So Solomon had his 666, and we do too. We do too. And if Solomon could be deceived, so can you. And don't give me this. I, I, I said a prayer at an altar three years ago. I'm fine. I, I want to ask you, can you run your marriage by that equation? I said I do 15 years ago. That's enough, baby. See how that flies. Don't come in for any counseling on that. I ain't going to help you. If you think that 15 years ago what you said at an altar is a relationship, you're out of your mind. And I ain't going to help you. I will. I love you. I'm just playing. Let's talk about the significance of this mark. Let's break it down a little bit more because it is a way of worshiping man. It's a way of exalting man. It's not a, it's, it's not a way of exalting God and humbling man. You know, John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he might increase. Come on. So, so man was created on the sixth day. So was the serpent. God is saying, don't be like him. Come up and be like me. God's number is seven. <laughs> Man's number is six. This is God's way in the New Testament. And, and, and you read it and you think, oh, boy, that's spooky. I mean, you know, some of you are like, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, honey, your check was great this week. It, it ends with uh, $66.06. Better tear that up, you know. No. no. <laughs> Listen, the, there's nothing spooky about the number. It's God's way of telling people and the devil that live for themselves. Watch this. If the devil is God, and if the Antichrist is supposed to be God, the number would be 777. Because that's a number of completeness and wholeness. That is a number of power from heaven. But the devil isn't God. He never will be God. The Antichrist will never be God. You'll never be God either, and neither will I. So forever, you'll never, ever, ever rise to a seven. You'll be a six, and you'll be a six, and you'll be a six. It's a way of the New Testament, Old Testament, saying things in repetition and why do we see it in repetition why do we hear the angels say holy 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 why do we see and hear the people of god and the angels say worthy 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 when something is repeated three times it is a declaration towards deity this is mankind coming under a lie and a deceptive false prophet that begins to believe that it could be god 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 but it's God saying, you're just. You're just man, man, man. Greatest moment in my life, and it wasn't long ago. I told my wife in the car one time, we were driving down the road. I said, honey, thank God I don't have to be anybody anymore. I don't have to be anybody anymore. And I never want to be anybody my wife turned to me and she said, you're all right, aren't you? I said, yeah, I just had a revelation. feels pretty good. I don't have to be anybody. He's somebody. I love it that he's somebody. And I can be his somebody, but I don't have to be anybody. 
<laughs> Man, it's freeing. I tell you, it's freeing, church. I want to show you that the false prophet will set up this image of the Antichrist, and it, he'll make all, everybody. Some of these concerts, I'm not going to mention the name, but I've got some family members that just went to a great concert, and they dress up. It's packed out, you know, and uh, everybody dresses like this person who sings and, and uh, just, just got to be like her in every way. And I think that's just fine. But uh, it's not the kind of music I'm into, so I put it down. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it just blows my mind how we just want to be like, yeah, really, we just want to be like someone. Why not be like Jesus? Why not, why not be like Jesus? And so this is coming, and the world's going to want to be like this person because they're going to come under this deception that they're God. And part of that deception is going to be, if you do it this way, you get to eat. Can you imagine? Can you, be, can you imagine being told, being told, if you don't take this mark, you can't feed your kids. Can you imagine being told, if you don't take this mark, you'll have no shelter? Can you imagine being told, if you don't worship this image, you're going to lose your life? Now, now, before you go saying, huh, I got that licked. I remember during the pandemic, I couldn't go to a restaurant for about seven months, and I about lost my mind. And I know you're all so much more spiritual than I am. But I mean, there was some real problems going on. I was going through a withdrawal just to not get to a restaurant. Do you remember that? I couldn't come out of my house. I was about to lose my mind. Imagine a world where you're not allowed to eat. You can't drink any water and you've got no shelter and you can't take care of your family. Can I help you out? The biggest way to deal with this is don't be here. Serve Jesus now. Live for him now. Go home with him. There will be people that will suffer and they'll know. Maybe this message will be played. Someone will listen to it. Maybe they'll come to Christ. And then they'll have to give their life. And the Bible says that's coming. It's already here. And they'll have to die for their faith. And can I just remind you, that's nothing new to church history. People have been doing that ever since Christ died on the cross. Right? Imagine that world. What can we do? Just three things. They're going to go fast. Three things. First of all, determine to count the cost now. Count the cost of following Jesus now. It, can I help you? I'll tell you if you're following Jesus or not. This is going to help you. If it doesn't cost you anything right now, you're not. Hello, you haven't heard the true gospel if following Jesus hasn't cost you anything. Hello, Jesus said, if they persecute me, they'll persecute you. They're going to persecute my followers. Well, I don't know if I'm a follower of God or not. Let me tell you, you can find out the next time you're persecuted. The next time you're, you're in a situation where somebody puts you down for your faith. You say, well, you know, I like to just kind of blend in. I'm a chameleon. You know, I like to just kind of, you know, I, you know I, I'm the kind of person that, you know, I accommodate everyone. <laughs> hey, you can love people, but not their sin. And when somebody asks you where you stand and when somebody asks you what your belief is, 
If you shut up at that moment, my Bible says that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Do you want to hear the real Word of God, or do you want to get the Kmart version? You, you want to get the blue light special on the truth? Come on. This is going to cost you. And it should. It cost heaven Jesus. He gave his life for you. You will have to live your life at least. And maybe even give it for him. Wow. Isn't there an easier message? I mean, <laughs> gee whiz. Count the costs. Jesus said this. It was this man that wanted to build a tower. And he didn't finish it. Oh, finishing. There's a word. Finishing. Like, staying in a marriage. Like, staying in a church. Like, like staying in a community. Like, staying somewhere that's really uncomfortable because you know God's called you to it. To finish. Right? Oh, what's that? I mean, it's a drive-through mentality. It's, it's a throwaway world, right? Give it to me now. I'm done with it in 20 minutes, and I'm tossing it out the window. Thank God that Jesus finished for me. Thank God that he said from the cross, it is finished. <sighs> he said this man was going to build a tower and didn't finish it. He said this man began, began to build, wasn't able to finish. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. Following Jesus carries a cost right now. The cost right now is not too bad compared to what's coming. Here's the next one. Determined to be confident. Yeah. I love what David said. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Jesus said, fear not those that can destroy your body here on earth. Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Number three, determined to be content. Oh, there's a, there's a pleasant word. Content. Yeah. Yeah. Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. You should be content. You should be content with what you have. Has God given you more? There's a reason. I believe in God's kingdom. There are kings, there are priests, and there are prophets. Old Testament and New. Are you hearing me? I'm not supposed to be a king. I'm not supposed to be a titan of business. I'm supposed to be a priest to you, right? Some of you are kings. You're supposed to take care of me. You're not getting it, but I, I, really. And I'm supposed to take care of you, all right? And then there's prophets that take care of both of us. And if you read your Old Testament and New, those three people all existed. And God uses them. So there are people that are financially blessed and they're blessed for a reason. And God bless them for that. But it doesn't mean they're God and it doesn't mean their resource is God. It just means that God has a specific purpose for them on the earth. And that purpose isn't my purpose. My purpose is to be a full-time priest for you. I take care of you. You take care of me. Prophets take care of both of us. If I start getting out of line, there's a prophetic word. And let me tell you something. If it don't come from here, I ain't believing it. You know, but listen, if something needs to be corrected, even right here, come on, Brian Church, correct it. Here's the word of God. It needs to fall under that. Hello. So be content with what you have. I love what Hebrews says. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness and content with all the things that you have. What is coveting? It's the desiring of things that are not for you. 
I just told you what isn't for me. Did you, know, did you know there's some people who are kings who want to be priests? They want to be pastors. They make terrible pastors. Hello? They make terrible pastors. They make a good king. You know what makes me an okay pastor? I don't want to be a king. Hello? And there's only one that could handle all three, and it's Jesus. He's a prophet, king, and priest. Woo! Hallelujah. So I'm content with what I have. This is enough for me. I don't need any more of that. Does it look like I'm, I'm losing anything here? It's all here. Be content. Be confident. <laughs> Count the cost. I'll leave you with a, a last thought here. Last thought here. If you've ever traveled on an airplane, you kind of know, right? You know the flight's coming. You know you're about to, to leave and depart soon. And even the week of that departure, you're preparing. You know, you're packing bags and you're not so worried about this and you're not so worried about that. You're not all up in drama and you're, you're, you're getting ready to leave. You're, you're leaving. And then you get, you travel light. You only pack the bags that you need because you know they're going to lose your underwear. So you bring, you, you know, you, you bring on the carry-on exactly what you need because you, you don't want your underwear to be lost. Come on, church. This is a preach, man. And, and so you only carry what you need. And you're ready at home. You got somebody to watch the dog. You got somebody to take care of the, they're watching the house. You got it all planned out, right? And you don't mix yourself up in the affairs of this world. You're not, you're not concerned, about, overly concerned about anything because you're getting ready to leave. What am I talking about? And then you get to the airport and there's that lady that kind of comes over the PA's, and says, what'd they say? What, am I going to miss my flight? You're constantly listening. You want to know, is, you know, has there been a change? Are they boarding now? You know, are, are, are they letting the, <laughs> for me, it's always, are they letting the economy class on yet? Because, you know, that's, the, that's where I'm going, right? And it's like, you always hear this from your wife. It's like, go to the bathroom now. Go now. Go. 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 And then you're coming back from the bathroom. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a uh, the, the airport have these carts too and for sometimes they they're, they're not for people like me they're for people that are immobile but i've ended up on those carts before because i'm like hey i'm gonna miss my flight he's like get on you know hammers it and it's like get out of the way and you're watching that you're looking up you're watching that board and you're, you're looking up you're watching you're looking up you're listening you're keeping your life ready. How would you play a football game if you knew there were only 20 seconds left on the clock? Would you worry about who's got the ball in your team? Would you be worried about what you're worried about right now? Would you worry about, would you be all up in the drama on Facebook and all the drama that's going on at work right now? Would you even care if you knew there was only 20 seconds left to score? The only thing you would care about is getting that next soul across that line. The only thing you'd be concerned, this is how we should live. Not wrapped up in what we're trying to gain and have and, you know, the Joneses and making ourselves look better. We got a king that's coming. The arrival is soon. The departure for the church is like right now. And our lives need to be 
fully ready for him. Would you stand with me right now in prayer? As the worship team comes, we're going we're gonna to play a song. But again, you're going to, uh, you're gonna get an opportunity to, uh, to speak to the Lord on your own. I can't get you ready. You, you've, heard, you've heard people say this, at work maybe even. You're not at home and I'm not your mama. Clean it up. Clean it up. You're, you're the one that's going to have to say, God, clean me up. You're the one that's going to have to say, God, you know, I've been holding on to some sin. I've been holding on to some bitterness. I've been holding on to some unforgiveness. These things don't matter. My flight's about to leave. God, these things don't matter. That soul needs to get across that line. God, what matters is you. 